Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It is the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got three tremendous hours for you as we wound up seeing a rambunctious college basketball Saturday full of a bunch of bids to the NCAA tournament being passed out left and right. We've actually got one that's still on the line. We're going to get you caught up on that in a minute, but that said, we're going to be recapping everything that we wound up seeing on this college basketball Saturday and then turning it forward as we've got five games for Sunday. We're going to be breaking those down. But going to be giving you guys a look at what we've got with regards to some of these teams that could be potential Cinderella's. We're going to be taking a look at some of the odds and the futures market, be able to make the final four national title odds. We've got you guys covered there and got a pair of great guests that are going to be joining along the way. Going to be joined by Sean Paul. He does a great job over there with the Making the Madness podcast along the field of 68. He's joining me at 11 p.m. Pacific time. That is typically 2 a.m. Eastern time, but I think that those of you guys on the East Coast are going to be experiencing daylight savings time, so I think that that's actually technically 3. I have no idea how that winds up working when you're in sort of that daylight savings time twilight zone, for lack of a better term, but we're going to have that going on. And then 30 minutes later, we're going to be joined by Matt Human. so we're just going to put it as simply as possible. Matt is going to be joining the program in 90 minutes because I don't want to try to do that math with daylight savings time, so... We're just going to leave it at that, but let's get you guys caught up on the game that is still going down right now. If you're looking for some action on your late Saturday, early Sunday, well, you can live bet Cal State Fullerton and Long Beach State. We wound up seeing a flip of favorites in this one. Long Beach State winds up opening up the one-point favorite. They wind up closing the one-and-a-half-ish point underdog. Total wound up cratering to 135, and right now, well, we've got a tight one. It is 44-44, to 13-30 remaining in this one as... You wind up having Fullerton go bombs away from 3. 47-44 is where it stands right now. Long Beach State, prior to that made 3, they were finding themselves right around a 1-point underdog live. Now you probably got to be thinking that they're going to be right around 3 if this holds up going into the next media timeout. Live total hovering in between 139 and 140.5. So we're going to be keeping our eyes on this one as I do think that either team that winds up being able to make the NCAA tournament they're going to be a little bit pesky. You got to figure that whoever winds up making it probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of like a 15 to a 16 seed. But I actually like what I've seen out of Cal State Fullerton. They've got a big man by the name of EJ Onasiki. He actually wound up averaging a double-double two seasons ago. And Sir Cardart played at Tennessee last year. And by played, I mean he was just glued to the bench. They didn't wind up using him at all. He has come into Cal State Fullerton and he has been able to do an absolutely magnificent job 
for this team. So he's been able to do a good job there. And when it comes to what we wound up seeing just a few minutes ago, this is maybe a little bit more than a few minutes ago, but New Mexico State, they were able to close things out. They get the job done out there in the WAC tournament, 66 to 52. No matter what number you want to take in, New Mexico State was able to cover and they under wound up hitting very easily. New Mexico State heading back to the NCAA tournament after, well, they've been just running the whack. I believe that this is the eighth time in the last 10 years that they've been able to make the NCAA tournament. And if you want to do the, like, the process of however you want to call it, where you wind up going down, this team lost to that team who lost to that team. Chicago State wound up knocking off New Mexico State a few weeks ago, so... You've got some very interesting things there, but with this New Mexico State team, 18-23 at the free line is what they wanted going. They've got an explosive score. Teddy Allen was actually the top scorer for Nebraska last year. He only wound up having 10 points in this contest before falling out, but a very solid defensive effort by a New Mexico State team that ranks in the top 50 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. So they were able to do a very solid job with that regard. And we also did wind up seeing out there in the ACC I don't think that you can call it a bid thievery because I feel like Virginia Tech, with what they had been able to do in the last few days, they were going to be in the NCAA tournament in general, but they do wind up getting the job done, and now there's going to be no debate as to whether or not Virginia Tech is going to be in the NCAA tournament. They get the job done against Duke by a count of 82-67. to 67. By the way, this is the first time in 43 years that Virginia Tech is getting an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Just saw this up on ESPN. Apparently, that is tied for the fourth longest drought in between automatic bids the NCAA tournament in the history of the NCAA tournament among power conference teams. You wound up having for Virginia Tech, Hunter Couture go bombs away in this game. Seven of nine from three-point range, 31 points. And this is a Virginia Tech team that coming into the night, they were in the top 10 in all of college basketball in terms of three-point shooting percentage, and they did nothing to hurt that. They wind up going 10 of 22 from three-point range. And for Duke, I think it's fair to say that there's a couple question marks for this team heading into the NCAA tournament. Didn't look necessarily too impressive against Miami. They messed around with the Syracuse team that in their team that was utilizing a five rotation roster, they were down to three guys. So that is not necessarily too great. And then you've been having this team not necessarily play great on defense. They go four of 20 from three point range. And what I really think is hurting this Duke team is that when they were really at full force, when they were firing all cylinders, Wendell Moore in the months of November and December was averaging 17 points per contest. You take a look at it now, and ever since the beginning of the month of January, that's cratered to more around 11 points per game. So that is something that I think you want to be taking a look at moving forward. And when it comes to just these teams that they're starting to peak, they're starting to crater a little bit. Duke, certainly one of those teams I have my question marks with. I'll be honest here. We're going to talk about this with Matt humans in about 90 or so minutes. The entirety of the big 10 looks a little bit suspect. Now I think that it was fair to say that about the pac 12 last year. And well, we wound up seeing the pac 12 really be able to ignite a run. You wound up seeing all those teams go to the sweet 16. So sometimes it is a case in which these teams are really good and they wind up beating up on each other. Sometimes it's a case of these teams just aren't necessarily so great. And well, you've got a whole bunch of mediocre, and as a result, you wind up getting mediocre results. Iowa is a team that I think is going to be very fascinating when it comes to March. We're going to be seeing them in action against Purdue. We're going to be previewing that game a little bit later, but with Iowa, they wind up getting the job done against Indiana, a team that they should be in the NCAA tournament by kind of 80 to 77 with Iowa. They wind up going 14 of 32 from three-point range. What is interesting about this Iowa team is that they are actually better shooting threes on a road and neutral court environment rather than at home. 
at home. They shot right around 36.5% from three-point range. Prior to this game, they were shooting 37.5% from distance. And Indiana, all of a sudden, they've been able to find a little bit of offense. Trace Jackson Davis, 31 points, 10 rebounds, 2 blocks. They're going to be a very fascinating team as to where they wind up getting seated because, like I said, they should probably be finding themselves in the field. But you take a look at this team's results, they wind up having that crazy overtime loss a little bit earlier in the season to Syracuse. But they've really avoided some terrible losses. They did wind up losing on the road to Northwestern. That's not necessarily the world's greatest look. But, I mean, really, bad said, their next worst loss, I would say, probably to Rutgers, a team that, I feel like I put them in the NCAA tournament field over. I'm looking at you, Xavier Wanda, losing eight out of your last 10 games. I put them in over a Notre Dame team that they're pretty darn fraudulent in and of their own right. I know that you can make the case that they are the second best team in the ACC. What good does it do when the entire ACC stinks, though, is the question. I think not necessarily too much, so... I do think that you should be finding them in the field. And I mean, legitimately nine teams have a good shot of being able to make the NCAA tournament from the big 10. So we're going to be taking a look at that a little bit as well. And a team that you've got to be figuring is going to be getting a very nice seat. That'd be the Kansas Jayhawks. And I did like what I wound up seeing from them against Texas tech. Now I know that there's a lot of people that are on the Texas tech bandwagon. Their offense, I think, is really an issue. This is a team that they are tremendous on defense. They do a good job of being able to generate turnovers. They need to find that go-to score. We were thinking maybe perhaps Terrence Shannon would be that guy. He's been averaging right around 11 points per game. Kansas wound up getting the job done in this game by a count of 74 to 65. It's a Kansas team that, I will say, the defense has been improving. I feel a little bit more warm about this team now than I did about a week or so ago. And the big reason why, even though you wound up having Mitch Lightfoot, which if you thought in the year 2022, we'd be seeing Mitch Lightfoot playing still at Kansas, I salute you because that guy literally, I think that he wound up having both Adam and Eve in his bio 101 class. The guy is that old, but... I mean, you take a look at this team. Jalen Coleman lands, by the way, as well. That's a guy that he was in college when I was in college. So, and I'm not even kidding. He's he's that old that he was in college when I was in college. But with that said, this is a Kansas team that you take a look at it. And all of a sudden you've got Jalen Wilson along Devin McCormick or David McCormick. They wound up having to combine 16 rebounds in this game. It's a Kansas team that has been a little bit of a work in progress with regards to their rebounding, their overall defense. But these two guys have really been able to step up. But then the biggest thing for the team as well. How about Remy Martin? 12 points, four rebounds, four assists, three steals. He has been banged up throughout much of the month of February. And even in late January, he wound up finding himself quite a bit in Bill Self's doghouse. You figured if he was going to be able to bust through, if he was going to be able to just give this team a little bit of production in general, that you'd be able to have a little bit of something here with him. Now, all of a sudden that he has been able to come to the forefront, that he has been able to perform. This is a Kansas team that they are living up to their billing. you got to figure that at the very worst, they're going to be a two seed. I know that many have them as a one seed, so it's going to be interesting to see how that winds up going about things. Personally, I feel like you can actually make a little bit of a debate as to Kansas or Baylor for the one seed line. I personally would take the body of work of Baylor a little bit more on Baylor. Last time they wound up playing against Kansas, they were able to get the job done as well. So that is something that you do want to take a look at. But I think it's going to be very fascinating to see what winds up happening over there. And then you've got a Villanova team that is rather pesky as well. If you're looking for a team that is probably going to be finding themselves on the two line, but has the experience to perhaps be able to go far. And if this team winds up getting on the three line, they have the potential of being able to play true home games 
in the Wells Fargo Center. That is something that you want to be looking at. That is very interesting as well. Villanova, they got the job done against Creighton 54 to 48. They're a team that they've been a little bit suspect on defense throughout the season, but I feel like they're starting to peak at the right time. A team has really able to slow things down. They're in the bottom 30 with regards to total possessions per game, but you've got a lot of leadership with this team. We're going to be taking a look at what we're going to be able to get out of Villanova. And just in general, we're going to be taking a look at a little bit more at the futures board, trying to point you guys in the right direction, what teams are falling, what teams are rising. So we're going to be doing that a little bit on the other side. And we're also going to be keeping tabs on this Cal State Fullerton and Long Beach State game. It is now 54-54, 10 minutes remaining. So we've got a lot coming up right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team that like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of the – Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The college basketball season is in full swing. Grab a five hour energy to be able to stay alert and watch all of your favorite games. And if you're staying up late, you'll be able to watch an intense overtime game. Take a five hour energy shot in the morning side where you can energize your day with zero sugar and an unbeatable blend of vitamins, nutrients, and caffeine. It's perfect pick me up for getting stuff done. Go to fivehourenergy.com to find over 15 flavors to choose from with flavors like grape, 
Tropical Burst, Cherry, Blue Raspberry. Watermelon is one of my personal favorites and many more. There is a flavor for everyone, so get a five-hour energy shot today. It is Greg Peterson approved as it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on the Sports Betting Network, VSIN, and mentioned it a little bit earlier. Villanova, a team that I'm very impressed with going into the NCAA tournament. And if you're just taking a look at the NCAA tournament futures board in general, odds be able to win the national title. I've made my stance known quite a few times as regards to this, and I'm going to just restate it once again. I do not want any part of any sort of a future going into the NCAA tournament. If you're looking to be able to bet on teams, to be able to make the final four. If you're looking for teams, to be able to win the national title. I would say don't wind up firing on anything until you wind up knowing this bracket because every single team in college basketball has their awards. I mean, you take a look at a team like in Arizona that looked very impressive tonight. They were able to do a good job in that second half against UCLA. They were without Kirk Carissa. They had all sorts of foul trouble. They got the job done there. They're a team that just a few weeks ago went on the road and they got clubbed by Colorado, a Colorado team that I mean, it's hard with that mountain road trip. It's actually one of the most underrated in all of college basketball with regards to trying to be able to pull that one out. But still, it is a situation which you've got every team that I feel like the right matchup or the right draw, they're going to be able to make a run. If you wind up getting the wrong draw with any of these teams, they could be sent home packing, I would say, as early as the second week of the tournament. I mean, you take a look at a team like Gonzaga, I certainly don't think that there's an 8-9 seed that could wind up being able to take them down, but you wind up maybe getting a team that should be a 6 or a 7 seed. They wind up getting the wrong seed line, and then all of a sudden all calamity could break loose because, I mean, you take a look at them already losing to Alabama this year. You've got your question marks there. You could wind up seeing a team that winds up getting hot at the right time. Like, I like this UConn team. They're 70-1 to to be able to win the national title. I'd want absolutely no part of that. What I would be taking a look at is, I've mentioned this a few times, money line rollover. That's where you just wind up taking the team that you think is going to be able to win the national title, whether that be Duke, Kentucky, Gonzaga, if you want to go further down the board, Houston, Illinois, list goes on and on. You just wind up taking that one team that you think is going to win the NCAA tournament. You put that one unit that you would have been putting on their future. Maybe that's 10 bucks. Maybe that's a hundred bucks. It all depends upon what you're willing to risk with regards to futures market and said, you plop that money on the money line. You wind up taking that, the winnings of that. And then your original bet, and you just keep rolling it over. Let's say that you wind up having, let's say we're going to throw out their Arizona. They're going to be a big giant chalk favorite in their first game. I mean, we're going to call it what it is. They're probably going to be like minus 2000 on the money line. So, I mean, if you wind up having a hundred bucks, you're going to then have $105 in the next game. So, I mean, it's not like you're going to be getting just a sizzler of amount of value when it comes to what you're going to be able to get in the first round and probably even in like an eight, nine matchup as well. But you wind up doing that. You wind up getting your small returns on those first couple games. And then you keep rolling it over because Arizona, if they wind up facing off against a team like say a Baylor, like say a Kentucky in the final four, even the elite eight, if they wind up playing against a team like a Purdue and Auburn, you're going to be able to get good value there. And then all of a sudden it's starting to add up and it's starting to really become very profitable for you. And on top of that, typically with this, for one, you're able to get a little bit of a better payout than if you just wind up taking up that straight up future and you've got yourself protection because we wound up seeing it with Arizona. They were already dealing with an injury to Kirk Carissa. Rather than gamble on, 
let's say Kirk is at 75% you hear going into the NCAA tournament. Instead, he winds up turning out to be 90%. You've got yourself a little bit of value. That's terrific. But if he instead winds up being at 50%, then you've got yourself a little bit of an issue if he winds up playing it up. I think that he is going to wind up playing in the NCAA tournament, but I mean, we don't know that for sure at this point. Why wind up taking the risk not knowing any of the matchups whatsoever, not knowing any of these variables, and just saying, you know what, we're going to throw it on the future. The best thing that winds up happening is that Kirk Reese is 100%. You're looking relatively solid there. Worst thing that winds up happening is that he is not, and that leaves the team very, very vulnerable. And you've got just, in general, you could just have that one aspect and that one aspect only, but then it goes beyond that. There are bad matchups for Arizona. There are good matchups for Arizona. I would consider UCLA to be a little bit of a bad matchup because we wound up seeing it on display tonight. They were having a tough time with them. They wound up losing to them the first time around when they wound up playing in Los Angeles. So there are teams that they all wind up having these good and bad matchups. And by doing a rollover, you're able to really take this out of the equation rather than having to risk that you wind up having all these matchups be very, very favorable that they wind up being able to break your way. Instead, you're able to just pretty much go round by round. If you like what you're seeing for the matchups for, say, a Gonzaga in the first few rounds, yeah, you just keep rolling it over. You feel good about it. If there is a matchup that you don't like, like Gonzaga had a very tough time with St. Mary's. They seem to do a little bit. They seem to have a little bit of a tough time with teams that wind up slowing down the tempo. Maybe a Villanova in the Elite Eight, for instance, is a matchup that winds up scaring you off on Gonzaga. You don't have to roll it over anymore. You can maybe allocate that to another team that you think is going to win. Maybe you think it would be Villanova, for instance. You can wind up doing that. You could wind up just walking away from the table, taking your winnings. Maybe you want to go out there, get yourself a nice dinner or something like that. Or you can wind up just betting on more individual games against the spread. You're able to do that as well. It gives you so many different options. You're able to maximize the way that you're able to just be able to you're able to just maximize the amount of payout that you're going to get in general and on top of that you wind up giving yourself added production so that's the way that i do take a look at it and really coming into the ncaa tournament i think it's going to be fascinating because you're seeing a lot of these teams that they're very trendy there are a lot of teams that wind up liking them obviously gonzaga they're at the top of the future sport right now and i feel like they should be i don't think that the difference should be them being plus 350 at DraftKings. Arizona then being at plus 650. The difference between Gonzaga and the rest of the field, it's not very big. I mean, honestly, I have them about three-fourths of a point better than Arizona. It's a case in which just the location in general, if it winds up being a little bit favorable for Arizona, could be the difference maker as a who I'd have as a very, very slight favorite in that game. I don't think that there's any team that is head and shoulders the best in all of college basketball right now. I, I could see a scenario which some of the teams I wind up having in my top five right now, because you've obviously got Gonzaga, Arizona, Kentucky. Those teams are pretty well cut and dry. I've got Kansas in my top five right now. I do think that they should be able to do some relatively solid things in the NCAA tournament. I think that it's fair to be able to lump in their Kansas as well. Kansas at the very bottom end of it. I pretty much have Kansas and Baylor as sort of like a 5A, 5B, Purdue is a team that they're just on the outside looking in because their defense is not very good, but I could have one of those teams 
being a underdog against a team that is more around like 12th, 13th, just based on the matchup and the matchup alone, because so many of these teams, they've got so many issues. Like, for instance, Kansas, who wanted being able to get the job done today against Texas Tech. We've seen them have some just very difficult times against teams that wind up taking the ball away. At the Fog, they very nearly lost outright to an Iowa State team that they cannot hit threes to be able to save their lives. We wound up seeing it against TCU. They wound up having a tough time against them as well. A TCU team that they've got no offense whatsoever, but they do a great job of being able to hit the glass. Wound up knocking them off outright once. Wound up taking them just to the break when they wound up hitting the fog. Third time around, they were able to figure them out. But every one of these teams in the field right now, they've got their deficiencies. Why wind up putting down money, not knowing what in the heck you're going to get with regards to the draw and having a team have to win six games to be able to get there. Now, there is obviously things like hedging that you're able to do, but I mean, with the rollover, you're able to hedge right there as well. You don't have to wind up being like, okay, I've got, I stand to win like $1,000 with this future bet. We're just throwing out there an arbitrary number here. Maybe you wind up putting down 50 bucks on a team that's 20 to one. We're just going to go that way. And maybe you wind up being like, okay, how much should I wind up hedging? Should I wind up hedging for a third? Should I wind up hedging for a fourth? Because these questions always wind up coming up. Should I lock in just any sort of a profit? Now you don't have to deal with this anymore. You can just freely bet and not have to worry about how you're going to be able to hedge it out. So I do think that that is something that winds up being of a little bit more importance as well. If you're taking a look at teams that are a little bit further down the line that I think could wind up having a little bit more value. I think that it's going to be very fascinating with regards to some of these teams that you are finding clocking in north of 50 to one, because right now you got Memphis at hundred to one. I can't believe that I'm saying it. They're a top 10 team with regards to just sheer talent and just sheer talent alone. Penny Hardaway. He was a terrible coach at the beginning part of the season. As a matter of fact, I thought he was the worst coach in all of college basketball in January. That is not the case right now. We're going to touch a little bit more on Memphis on the other side. Get you an update on Fullerton versus Long Beach State. Right now, it's getting down to the nitty-gritty. It is Fullerton currently in the lead, 64-61, to 61, four minutes remaining. So we've got action there as we've got a lot of things going on here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get an early start on your college hoops tournament betting with VSIN's full court bracket betting coverage starting tomorrow with six free live video hours of streaming on VSIN.com if you're out there on the East Coast at Secondly today, including a full bracket reveal and opening lines for every single game. The VSIN college experts, including Myself, Greg Hughes-Pierce, and Matt Humans, who's going to be joining me in an hour. John Von Tobel and Tim Murray will be analyzing every single game. We're going to be discussing with bookmakers who make the lines. We're going to do everything possible to find you some early value. Don't wait for the lines move. Start your bracket and round one tournament betting with VEASAN's College Hoops experts at 6 p.m. Eastern. Out there on the East Coast today, out here on the West Coast tomorrow for free. VEASAN.com as it is a Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Hoops Peterson, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be at the South Point tomorrow, which I typically do my workout here at Circa, and I always love working with all the guys over here at Circa. You've got my wonderful producer, Brian Ortega. You've got Nick, who does a terrific job being able to be the technical director on this. 
Oliver. He winds up posting up all the hours that you wind up hearing on Visa.com. So if you ever listen to the replay, Oliver's the man that winds up posting those up. Mikhail always gets me set up on audio without him. You would not be hearing me. So all these guys, they do an absolutely amazing job. They are the reason why you're able to see me and hear me right now. These guys do amazing work. So excited to be over there at the South Point tomorrow holding it down because those guys do absolutely amazing work as well. We've got the best in the business here at VSIN. And I'll be making lines as we wind up getting those matchups live. Going to be firing away at some openers because these numbers, they wind up moving. You take a look at, I know that I was asked this by couple folks that they don't do as much college basketball is it similar to what we wind up seeing with regards to super bowl props absolutely darn lootly and for those of you guys that are baseball betters as well it's very similar to the first five market because when you wind or yeah first five market even some of those strikeout props as well where you wind up seeing these numbers come out in the very early a.m and they wind up getting steamed to high noon right when they wind up coming out so that is the equivalent of it. It's not going to be surprising if you wind up seeing a five-point underdog become a three-point underdog or a five-point underdog become a seven-point underdog within minutes. So you want to be taking a look at these right away. I will do everything humanly possible to get everything up as quickly as humanly possible. Hopefully technology does not wind up failing us there, but we're going to be doing our level best here at VSIN to be able to do that. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun to see what we wind up getting on Selection Sunday. I just mentioned a team that I don't think that they're going to wind up winning the NCAA tournament. But I'm very much more warm on them now than I was just even a few weeks ago. And that would be Memphis. Because if you take a look at it, Memphis is a team that is a top 10 team with regards to talent and talent alone. I don't think that the, I would put them at number one. But Ever since Imani Bates has been out of the fold, I know that Bart Torvik winds up having this team ever since he wound up leaving the team number two in all of college basketball. And Bart Torvik does some very good work. He's a guy that does a lot of college basketball analytics work. So, I mean, I do respect his opinion. I don't think that number two is necessarily where I'd be putting them, but it is a team that's very fascinating. I think that it's also very fair to say because I wound up coming out and saying it. Penny Hardway was doing just an absolutely garbage job being able to coach up this Memphis team in January and February. I will say right now he's been able to do a very solid job. And this is the second year that we've seen it from Penny Hardway where Memphis was very bad in December and January. And all of a sudden calendar is turning to March and all of a sudden Memphis looks like a significantly better team And Memphis. You can make the case that. They were dealing with quite a bit of COVID. They were dealing with quite a few injuries. Should they have been losing the way that they were towards the beginning part of the season to say East Carolina? No, but at the same time, there were some underlying issues with this team. They've got a lot of overall talent. DeAndre Williams is a guy that's very solid. And I mean, you take a look at it, they won covered a game today against SMU in a game in which it was eight on five. They wound up having DeAndre Williams fell out with 11 minutes to go. You know it's bad with regards to refereeing when it seems like the commentators are doing everything humanly possible to bite their tongue and not just give these guys an absolute tongue lashing. It was one of the worst officiated games ever. Memphis was really one of the deficitaries of it, and they still were able to overcome that. They were still able to get the job done, so you've got to give them a little bit of credit for that, and I do think that it's going to be very fascinating to see where they wind up getting seated because this is a team that they could be incredibly dangerous at 100-1. And that could be one that is going to be worth a shot because if you wind up doing the money line rollover, 
you wouldn't be able to get 101 with Memphis. The only fans are butts about it. Now, if Memphis winds up getting the wrong draw, it winds up going down in a fiery heap of smoke. And Memphis is going to be taking on Houston in this game on Sunday. We're going to be hitting upon that one a little bit later. We're going to be previewing these games more towards the back half of the show when we wind up getting into hour number two, hour number three of the Greg Peterson experience. So I have no fear there, but I do think that it's going to be very fascinating to see where they do wind up getting seated. Also very fascinating to see what we wind up having in this game as well as you've got Long Beach Shade and Cal State Fullerton, both 22 remaining. The trip to the NCAA tournament is on the line. If you wind up taking the under in this game, well, it is no longer live as the game is 70 to 68. You've got a buck 22 remaining. Last I checked, you wound up having a live spread of Long Beach State laying two and a half points. Total of anywhere between 142 and a half and 143 and a half, depending upon your book. Might be hard to get in on it now. It's most likely off the board, but that's what we wound up seeing last. As it's going to be really interesting to see which of these teams do wind up getting into the NCAA tournament because we've just seen a lot of good college basketball out here on the West Coast in general. The Mountain West was on full display today. You wind up having, I'll call it what it is, a horribly officiated game, and it was on both sides. This is not one in which San Diego State wound up losing because of the refs. Boise State didn't wind up winning because of the refs or anything like that. It's just a case in which it was just a complete and utter calamity as to what you wound up getting, but you wound up having Boise State be able to get the job done. Now, I do have my question marks. When it comes to Boise State in the NCAA tournament, I know that there's a lot of people that are bullish on them, and they play tenacious defense. You always want to be taking a look at these teams when you wind up getting into these tight matchups with their free throw shooting and a very nearly nip Boise State in the duckest today. They wound up going 12 of 21 at the free throw line. And overall for the year, they shoot right around 64.5-ish percent at the free throw line. That is just not going to cut it. They've been shooting a little bit better at the free throw line here down the stretch going into today, but... That is something that I think is so important. And I do get asked with regards to handicapping. What are some of the things that you do wind up taking a little bit more of a focus on this time of year? Certainly, I do shade down my totals when it comes to a lot of these neutral court games, especially what we're going to be getting on Sunday. You've got teams that at minimum, they played three games in three days. Some of these teams, they're going to be on game number four in four days. And plus, on top of that, I'm going to be dealing with daylight savings time as a matter of fact on this very show, but I do think that it is going to be intriguing to see how a team like you're going to be seeing with the Princeton versus Yale game, how they wind up responding because that is going to be a 9 a.m. Pacific tip that is going to be out there on the East Coast noon. You wind up losing an hour. That's a relatively early tip time right there. So that is something that I don't think that can be lost on you because I remember when I was... In college, I had a tough time getting up for anything. I wound up having my radio show at like 2 o'clock p.m. Central Time, and sometimes that was a task because, well, Bud Light had its name on it, and that was not necessarily the world's greatest thing in the world, and I'm sure that many people could relate to that when they were in between the ages of now 18 to 23 because you got the COVID year, but I do think that that is something that you do want to be taking a look at, by the way. I don't think that the Ivy League guys wind up having as much of an issue with that, but with that said, I do think that that is something to take a look at. It's something else to take a look at. Long Beach 8 wound up just bearing a three. We've got a 72 to 71 game, 36.7 seconds remaining, so this is a game that is very, very live, so we've got that going on right now, but that said, when it comes to what you're all able to get with regards to handicapping this time of year as well. Free throw shooting is very important because I just mentioned it. You've got tighter and tighter games. You wind up having a team up by three points with 30 seconds to go. They wind up getting hacked. You have to go to the free throw line 
and you don't want to be trusting in a team like I just mentioned with Boise State that entering in the day out of 358 D1 teams, 346. Everyone has been in this situation, and I'm sure that I'll probably find myself in at least one of these during the NCAA tournament where you wind up playing, we're going to call it four points with a favorite. It's a five-point game with 35 seconds left to go, and guess who's heading to the free-throw line? Captain Mick uncoordinated the seventh, seven foot two, shooting for his career, 42% at the free throw line. All eyes on him in the world's biggest stage, and now you need him to bury two free throws to be able to get your ticket home. That is not a place where you want to be. I've been there before. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it comes up snake eyes. More often than not, at the worst possible time, it comes up snake eyes. So that is something that you always want to be taking a look at with regards to your handicapping and you know who's number one with regards to being able to play free throws? I was mentioning this team a little bit earlier because if they do wind up getting the three seed, they might wind up being able to play some home games out there at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. That'd be Villanova. They shoot as a collective, 82.3% at the free throw line. I do think that that is something that you certainly want to be taking a look at if you're looking for the top team in all of college basketball with regards to teams that are going to make the NCAA tournament. So that takes out Missouri State, officer, what have you. Best teams in terms of road and neutral court free throw shooting percentage? Ohio State and North Carolina, they both shoot above 80% at the free throw line. So I do think that that is a little bit of a metric that you do want to be taking a look at when it comes to some of these tight games and when it comes down to it as well. We've got a lot of favorites that we're going to be seeing get a lot of love with regards to the market. I'm going to give you one team that I'm not necessarily so bullish on, and then we'll turn it forward to some Cinderella's right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, Esports Bank Network. on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Hoops Peterson. And if you're looking to get everything that you need to bet the madness this year, you're able to get it with VSIN Hoops Madness. If you go to vsin.com slash madness, you'll be able to get everything that we've got. 24-7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy. You get it all for $19, and whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every single game. That includes myself, Greg Pearson, Matt Humans, John Von Tobel, Tim Murray, and a cast of others. We've got insights on every single key team, conference, and player to watch from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up now to be able to get the betting guide plus full access to vsin.com through April 5th. You get it all for $19 at vsin.com slash madness. As it is a Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Eubes Peterson, and we've got ourselves a lot to digest with regards to everything that we're seeing in college basketball right now. And I mentioned it on the other side. I'm going to give you guys a team that I'm just not necessarily feeling so bullish on, even though I hear so many people that are raving about them. And that would be the Tennessee Volunteers who have fallen in the futures market. You're able to find them in the neighborhood about 30 to 1 in a lot of shops right now. That's where you're finding them at DraftKings. I know that they become very trendy and they no doubt are going to be the favorite when they wind up facing off against Texas A&M. On Sunday, we're going to be previewing that game a little bit later on in the show. But that said, I do take a look at the Tennessee team. 
very good on defense. This is a team that they rank in the top 10 in all of college basketball. The guards points a lot on a per possession basis, and they really do a good job of being able to generate seals. This is a team that they don't necessarily go too fast. They don't necessarily go too slow. They're right around 125th with regards to total possessions per game. So they're a team that they do a nice job being able to control things. You take a look at the way that they've been able to generate. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my, my dance, <laughs> Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Great turnovers has been one of the better marks in all of college basketball. With regards to just turnovers per game, they wind up forcing 16. That is in the top 20 in all of college basketball, which is very solid. And if you want to turn it forward to a little bit more of an efficiency standard with regards to just turnovers on a per possession basis, it is 15th at all of college basketball. But the biggest thing is home and road splits with this team at home. They generate a turnover on 25.5% of their possessions. That falls to 19.5% when they're on a road and neutral court environment. And that's really been the big thing with Tennessee. They were able to do a very solid job of being able to hold down Kentucky on Saturday. But and how much was that of that was just a little bit of good fortune with Kentucky being way off with their three-point shooting overall for the year going into Saturday. They were giving up 9.1 points more per 100 possessions when they were on a road or neutral court environment rather than at home. And it's a Tennessee team that they're rather pedestrian on offense. Now, Brendan Hartfield has been able to do a solid job for the team. He's been able to come in, been able to give the team a couple more rebounds, and that's been needed because right now, Tennessee, you've only got one guy that gives you more than five rebounds per game. That'd be Josiah Jordan-James, who has been able to do a relatively solid job for this bunch. But you do take a look at Tennessee. They've got some very demonstrative home and road splits when it comes to their offense as well. They're averaging 11 half, or actually 12 and a half points fewer per one hour possessions when they are on the road rather than at home. So I do think that they're a team that you want to be taking a look at, and I'd be a little bit tepid with them. Santiago Scovi, Kennedy Chandler, they're relatively sought out there in the backcourt, but I don't know how much I'd be wanting to invest in them. And then 
with regards to the team that they wound up being able to knock off in Kentucky, I still feel relatively solid about this team. When it comes to teams that I would call them recession-proof, I think that that's one of the better terms to be able to use for this. A team that you sort of know what you're going to be able to get out of them. They're least likely to go out early. So not necessarily the team that is going to be most likely to be able to win the NCAA tournament, but a team that they're most likely to avoid complete and utter catastrophe. You're not going to be seeing them pulling in Ohio State, losing to Oral Roberts or anything like that. Kentucky's one of the best teams for that because they've got a guy by the name of Oscar Sheboy who's giving you 15 rebounds per game. You've also got a backcourt that is getting healthier by the day. It's a situation which you wind up having Xavier Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington deal with the injuries. You tell that they haven't necessarily been fully 100% here in the SEC tournament, but being able to rest up first game, most likely going to be either Thursday or Friday for them. They should be able to be about as close to 100% as you can get with them, and that's big because Xavier Wheeler is a guy that gives you seven assists per game, ranks in the top five in all of college basketball, and when Ty Ty Washington is firing on all cylinders, he's a guy that's able to shoot right around 40% from three with right around 14 points per game. His numbers are a little bit warped because they he did wind up having so many injuries. So I do think that you could feel a little bit bullish about them. And for Tennessee, if they wind up getting the wrong matchup, that could be a little bit of an issue. I take a look at a team like a Vermont that wound up being able to just completely bludgeon the University of Maryland Baltimore County on Saturday. And that's a team I think could be able to knock them off. This is a Vermont team that if they wind up getting the right matchup as say a 14 seed, for instance, they could be a team that winds up being that Cinderella that winds up becoming Abilene Christian, that winds up becoming Oral Roberts because this is a Vermont team that they really check all the boxes. In terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, it's a Vermont team that ranks seventh in all of college basketball. Now, home and road splits are very big with this team as well as they are scoring 17.5 points fewer per 100 possessions when they are on the road rather than at home. That includes neutral court games as well, but when it comes down to it, Ben Jungu, Ryan Davis, these are guys that are able to score. You wind up having this Vermont team go on the road to play against both Providence and also Maryland earlier in the season, and they really were able to hang the hang in there with both of those teams. So they're a Vermont. This is a Vermont team that I do think that if you take a look at it, they could be able to be a little bit feisty come the NCAA tournament, wind up getting the right matchup, anything could happen. Now. They want a game matchup with Kentucky and Oscar Sheboy and company. Boy, oh boy, that would not necessarily be necessarily a terrific matchup, but I do think that that's something to take a look at. You want to be having this game just go final, and it's going to be intriguing to see what we wind up getting out of them. Kelsey Fullerton, they complete it. They get the job done against Long Beach State by kind of 72 to 71. If you wind up getting in on Fullerton early, or if you just wind up taking the money line, you're able to get there. This is a spread that a lot of places close one and a half. Not typical that you wind up seeing the one and a half point spread actually come into play, but wind up happening here. And for Cal State Fullerton, this is a team that they looked very solid out there in Big West play. Now, if you take a look at their non-conference portion, they don't necessarily have a bunch of marquee wins. I mean, I would argue that their best win out of conference was probably when they wound up being able to take down George Washington. But I mean, they went on the road. They played against single digits against a good Santa Clara team. They wound up holding within 10 against a very good San Diego State team. A pair of teams that they played complete opposite styles, and they were able to hang in both of those games. I mentioned it a little bit earlier on in the show. You've got a guy in EJ Onasiki. Why is it coming in after he didn't play a lot at Tennessee last season? But few seasons ago, after a double-double at Sacred Heart, he's one of the more underrated big men in all of college basketball. 
problem with this Long Beach State team or this Cal State Fullerton team is that they only do shoot right around 32% from three point range. But I was talking about one of the biggest things to take a look at with regards to college basketball this time of year is free throw shooting. And this is a Cal State Fullerton team that they're one of the better teams that you're going to find with regards to free throw shooting percentage. They entered into the night shooting as a collective 76.5% at the charity stripe that ranks in the top 30 in all of college basketball. They're a team that they've been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to hold things down on the road. And Damari Milstead is someone that is able to give you right around two seals per contest. It's a Fullerton team that they play in a rather slow style. They're outside of the top 250 with regards to total possessions per game. So that is something that you want to take a look at. They're a team that they're looking to turn over a new leaf, play a little bit more on defense in terms of their offensive efficiency, leaves a little bit of something to be desired. They're right around 140th with regards to points scored on a per possession basis. But I do think that this is a team that is a little bit of a Swiss Army knife. I don't know if they're necessarily going to be able to pull off an outright win against like a two seed or something like that. But I think that they're a team that they could be able to provide a cover. And you wound up seeing a lot last year with regards to the NCAA tournament. You wound up seeing a lot of these teams that they were catching these double figure numbers as 14, 15 seeds. And a lot of them were able to cover. I think that you're going to see a lot of that this year as well. A team like Grand Canyon last year was able to do a good job of that. They had a guy by the name of Ashbourne Mishgard, who was a seven-footer that was able to provide you a couple blocks. Why can't EJ Onasiki wind up being a Cal State Fuller team that sort of rivals that, winds up being able to hold in there. They wind up losing by like 10 points to a 2-3 seed. I could very easily see that with regards to this team. If you're looking at uh, another team that I think could be very interesting, come a selection Sunday that could be able to pull off an outright win, I'm taking a look at Chattanooga. The Mocs are a team that they do a very good job of being able to check so many boxes. This is a team that they've got a star in Malachi Smith. Not just one of the better players at a mid-major college basketball program, one of the best players in college basketball in general. This is a gentleman that's able to give you 20.5 points, six boards, three assists, shoots 40% from three-point range for a Chattanooga team that with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, they are 30th in all of college basketball. They don't experience too much of a fall-off when they wind up going on a road and neutral court environment because if you take a look at them on a road and neutral court environment, it's actually a little bit better. They're right around 15th in the country with this regard. This is a team that they already went on the road. They were able to knock off ECU. We thought Loyola Marymount was going to be good, and at the time, they were an eight-point underdog. They wound up getting that all right win to be able to begin the season. Now, that doesn't necessarily look as great at this point, but it is a Chattanooga team that has been relatively battle-tested. They've got a lot of older guys, and they've got a name that's going to be very familiar. You remember Silvio De Sosa, the guy that wound up picking up the chair a couple years ago for Kansas? That's their main rebounder. So it's going to be a lot of fun to be able to watch them when it comes to the NCAA tournament. And we're going to be bringing on another guy that absolutely loves mid-majors and has a lot of insights for you to be able to gauge some of these teams that you might want to be picking to go a little bit further than you might expect on your bracket. That would be Sean Paul of Making the Madness, that podcast along with the field of 68. He joins me next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. You heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- 
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free 